back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hutink, with my co-host, Christian Conway. What's up? And actually, we're joined by a very special guest today, Araceli Villanueva. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, so if you guys don't know, Araceli is my Switch the Pitch uh, counterpart. She's also my soccer rival through and through. Um, she covers... Do you cover the Mexican national team? I don't cover them. I'm just an L Tree fan. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, we are soccer reporters and writers, so I figure she tackles that because I know I've covered U.S. men's national team and the and the U.S. Well, we're all united on the U.S. women front, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the, the only national team we're watching at this point in time in the, in the states. <laughs> yeah, word. And then Araceli covers Sporting Kansas City and LAFC. And so, Araceli, why don't you go ahead and tell people how that happened? Oh, um, well, as most people know, I'm originally from Kansas City. So naturally, I grew up with the Kansas City Wiz before they renamed themselves to Sporting Kansas City in 2010. They should have never changed the name. They should have. <laughs> they should have never changed the name. It's so good. It's so 90s. <laughs> I was just thinking like Wizard of Oz. That's what I always thought. Like, It's still very much debatable here. I mean, we've grown to the new name and the new logo but obviously you know we still miss the rainbow colors and that kind of nostalgic feel of the old team per se but otherwise you know we've still done very well um we won the 2013 mls championship we've won u.s open cups so in a sense i think people started overlooking the rebrand since we are starting to bring more silverware to the city on the flip side um, I have a lot of family in Bakersfield, California. So and like I've every been... Midwestern, I'm trying to drag her to LA. Like... <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's ever been to Bakersfield, you'd know you, you'd rather be in LA. I'm sorry, Bakersfield fam, but <laughs> <laughs> the sports scene up there, eh, it's as dry as the city. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyways, you know, just after years of going, I have you know, seeing the sports culture, I, I'll admit, I've been to a few Galaxy games. And when Switch to Pitch was created, simultaneously with uh, LAFC, they needed a reporter. And since I've had experience with the LA sports scene, it just made sense for me to join. And luckily, um, Dana and Liz were kind enough to allow me to keep my position with Sporting KC. So now here we are. I cover both teams. Yeah, I know you kind of <laughs> get a lot of flack uh, from people who don't understand. Um, especially, I think you even covered Portland for one game, didn't you? I did them for three games, but that was for the league itself. Okay, you see, you see what I mean? So RSL's been in this like over almost five years now. And uh, yes. Five yeah. to yeah, about five years. Like definitely in a in a sports <laughs> world where the media are essentially mostly white women. Um, Araceli and I, you know, we're and and that we're women. We also bring this this you know um, voice that a, a lot of the sports world just hasn't really had. And so another thing was you know Araceli and I are friends outside of the soccer world but soccer did bring us together like the sisterhood and i'm bringing her on with us today because um given the current state of things as we all know 
Um, we're trying to show unity, bring together everyone in the league. And, you know, this is actually why I wanted Araceli on today was that she's bringing league-wide news to us today that affects all of our clubs. Yeah, so, you know, unfortunately, I think we all rather be um, watching recaps and analyzing plays. But as we all know, with the current state of things, that has been pushed back until May 10th, as far as we know. Um, Don Garber, the MLS commissioner, is still determined to, or I should say he is still focused on playing, you know, the 34-game season even if that means going back to the original format of having the playoffs in late November, early December, you know, going through, kind of switching to a winter season almost. And like it was. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he more or less said in this statement of, quote, our intent is to play as many games as we possibly can that means moving our regular season later into November, and it means moving the MLS Cup back to mid-December, and we've had that for many, many years, unquote. More or less of what I, you know, just explained. And, of course, keeping that single elimination format, since it's earned great reviews from, you know, us, the reporters, and the fans. But, yeah. also, but the... No, go for it. <clears throat> I like to hear that there's still a sense of optimism. However, my only fear is that when things do go back to normal, and pr hopefully that is sooner than later, is fans will be worried. Is it safe to return? I, I think even, <clears throat> even from a, not just a fan perspective, but from a player and coaching staff perspective, like, I mean, if you look at you know, the situation that's going on in New York, like, you know, does NYCFC or, you know, the Red Bulls, you know, how confident do they feel about, you know, hitting a May schedule when, you know, probably we're about two, three weeks out from what is considered to be the worst of this in, in, in certain places. So I think it's going to be, I, I think you raised a valid point with the fans, but I also, I would take it even further and look at, you know, support staffs for stadiums and uh, coaching staffs, players, et cetera. I mean, this is, they are, they're on the front lines of this. Oh, and they absolutely are. There's no arguing on that front. Oh, but also, like, you know, as you pointed out with, <clears throat> excuse me, as New York being the epicenter currently, I think that's what a lot of people would be judging is the teams from, like, NYCFC, um, New York Red Bulls, they would be nervous to attend those games. Or if those teams were to travel to other cities, the, obviously they would need some type of, <clears throat> reassurance and I think the league should do kind of what the NBA did get all the teams tested the staff the coaches the players even reporters if they feel the need to to kind of have that reassurance to the fans that you know everyone has been tested they've been given a clean bill of health the, you know to kind of say it's safe again Almost. It also wouldn't surprise me if when we do open the league back up, which again, if, if as, as Garber has said, and as it looks like MLS is intending to do, which is on that May 10th weekend, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe the first two to three weeks of the season at that point are played behind closed doors, just as kind of a, a full safety measure. That's um, exactly what I was thinking. I, I, I just, I would, I would find it very difficult for both MLS and, 
you know, stadium staff and whatnot to really feel confident. Like the first weekend we're clear, you know, like this is not something that like, you know, you, you know, we hit May 10th and it's gone, you know, like this is definitely going to be something that we reveal the repercussions of not just, you know, through this year, but next year, as long as, you know, we don't have a very clear way of treating the disease or vaccinating against the disease. So I think it's going to be, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, we go into the first maybe three weeks of this, this new season um, behind closed doors. The other thing that I think uh, that I've, I've kind of been quietly contemplating is if, if they're committed to playing a 34 game season through to December, that would greatly increase the number of midweek games that they'd have to play. And so I think that from a, from a perspective of, you know, just soccer quality perspective, it's going to be really interesting to see how teams, you know, in a league where I think you could argue that most MLS teams are not deep. I'd say about like maybe four MLS teams you could consider to be very deeply talented, you know, too deep at every position, how these teams are going to manage what is going to be an incredibly aggressive schedule congestion from, you know, May into December. I mean, there's going to be a lot of, of soccer that has to be played. And, you know, again, we also have the questions of, you know, is the US Open Cup going to go ahead? Or, you know, is it going to be sacrificed for the greater good of league soccer in this country? You know, what happens to the CONCACAF champions? Like, do they decide to play the those, you know, they, you know, the ties that were postponed on that Thursday? You know, like it's, there's a lot of moving parts to this that I think, you know, present just much more headache outside of just, you know, ensuring everyone's safety and health. Um once that's all said and done, you know, there's there's a ton of headaches here that are going to be very, I think, interesting to see how the the soccer community in the United States really figures out how to navigate what is going to be a very hectic period of time. I think the, the one thing that goes in the favor of MLS and, and USL and, and so on and so forth is they only play two games. Like, that, that's not, you know, it, it's basically preseason. So, like, we're not in a situation like they are in, like, say, Italy or England where, you know, we have title deciders in the next eight weeks. You know, it's like the, there's there's some... Thankfully, there is some kind of leeway in MLS right now. Like they could wipe the first two games of the season, and everyone would be like, "Oh yeah, whatever." You know, those are basically preseason games. Yeah, and Juventus had a player actually test positive, and we haven't had anybody so far other than like a Seattle staff member. Yeah, and then um, I, I don't think uh, outside of that Seattle staffer, I don't think anyone in MLS has tested positive. I know the NBA has had a few positive tests, and I just saw an article that a third NHL player just tested uh, positive. Um, okay. So, so what about just canceling the season? I mean, it could be an option. Um, I would think that they would want to to have some form of soccer be played, just because MLS well, is. So this, we would all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, MLS is in this weird position where you know it's only a twenty five year old league. Like this is a defining season for the future of MLS. Like they need to have some product. If you look at the TV schedule, for example, it was something like 10 nationally televised games on like Fox and ABC. Like that's precious time that MLS, you know, is going to want to take advantage of in any way they can. And so, you know, I would think, you know, there obviously everyone's going to be moving in the face of caution on this, but there's gotta be, a, you know, there's gotta be some members in that front office that are quietly saying, well, you know, even if we played like say a 20 game season, at least we got 20 games in like, you know, like each team got 20 games in and that's, you know, at least we got something out of this. And I think that's probably the tack they're going to take. I think, you know, again, we're in a very different situation than say, you know, Italy or England. Um, but, you know, I, I think that this, the, the prevailing sense 
at least from what, you know, from hearing from Commissioner Garber and what RSLA said, like, it does feel like they are going to do whatever is in their power to at least play some some form of league, even if it's, you know, a 20 game, you know, 20 games per team season, at least, you know, it's better than, you know, zero. Yeah, when I had traveled to Kansas City to visit RSLE, actually, and <laughs> they hadn't had, what, a tornado in, like, seven years in that area, and then I go to visit, and there was one, and then we were, like, sitting, uh, you know, on our couch looking at the path of the tornado, and we were just, like, so everybody's asking on Twitter, is there going to be a game? And then I remember RSLE just saying, like, MLS, be like, play on. <laughs> <laughs> no, the tornado literally went alongside children's mercy park where sporting plays so it, it, everyone was kind of freaking out of you know would there be a game and then of course you had fans here saying oh if the tornado just ripped out a couple of seats we'll take our own seats it's okay <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the, see that, that that gets at the heart of this of, of something that I, I find absolutely amazing about american soccer culture which is that, you know, weather be damned, anything be damned, we'll, we're going to go and we're going to have a good time. I mean, LA Galaxy fans have rebooked their flights for Nashville. Like, they're yeah, ready for soccer. <laughs> <laughs> and they traveled to Miami anyway, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I really commend them. And no, they didn't come back positive with the coronavirus, guys. Like, I know a bunch of people in, like, Florida were at the beaches and, like, testing positive. That's not... But if I have all the places <laughs> to go on an away trip and have the game canceled, Miami is not the worst. Like, Miami's not bad. <laughs> right. Um, well, in a, I yeah. mean, in a sense, I mean, comparing this to a natural disaster, you know, we, as Americans, we can joke about these type of things. But unfortunately, this pandemic is affecting the whole soccer community worldwide, not just here. And to your question, if MLS is going to cancel the season, it, I see it as a possibility if this is prolonged then longer than it should be. However, given, you know, kind of like what Christian said, given what Garber has stated and looking at all the different moving parts, that would be a huge revenue loss for the league. So I see Absolutely. them, you know, looking into other possibilities of cutting out certain games to try to make up somewhat of like a mini schedule almost and the usl has already announced that they will not participate in the open cup this season given everything that is happening and it would affect them schedule wise so now there's questioning if the open cup is even going to happen will the all-star game still happen i i definitely see a lot of sacrifices being made to have somewhat of a season still I think I think between Liga MX and MLS, I think it's it's pretty safe to assume that the All Star Game's dead on arrival at this point. I think it's it's it, I think it's a relatively safe assumption, especially considering that the the All Star Game between you know the Mexican League and, and MLS was part of this grander, um, larger, longer game plan to really. I, I'm not going to say merge the two leagues because I think that's a, a that indicates something that I don't think will happen, but to, to draw them closer together and to kind of share off the same markets. And I think, you know, both MLS and Liga Max can look at, you know, all the other initiatives that they've got going on, you know, in terms of the League's Cup and whatnot, they can kind of say, we, we can afford to let this one go just for the interest of both of our leagues. Um, and and, and the, the historian in me kind of, my heart breaks, you know, even considering it, but, you know, I, it, it would not surprise me if 
we also don't have the Open Cup this year. And I mean, for, for those of you who don't really know kind of the importance of the Open Cup, I mean, it's it's the longest running cup competition without interruption in the world. Um, they didn't stop for World War One. They did not stop for World War II. Um, even the Spanish influenza outbreak of 1918 didn't stop them. So, um, I mean, obviously all tournaments will have, you know, you can't expect to have, you know, 110 years of perfect history. Um, but it is a very, I, I find it to be a very important historical competition that ties a lot of, that ties the entire framework and history of soccer in the United States uh, together in a very big way. And it, it is, it would be, at least from my perspective, very heartbreaking to not have it played, but I, I, I would understand it. Um, the thing that I would almost say in terms of a, a shortened season is if they're going to shorten the season, why not expand the playoffs? Because it's single elimination games. Oh, yeah. You would, and, and because you're not going to get a really good look at a team over 20 games. Like, you're not going to get a good understanding of would this team be a playoff team, how we play 34, 36 games, knowing the unpredictability of MLS in general. Why not add one or two more playoff teams and play a longer playoffs, but play a shorter season? And then, I mean, obviously, whatever happens at the end of this year, be it we have a season or not, if we have a season, there's going to be an asterisk on the season. I think there's no question about that. And I think we all are pretty much equal in agreement on that front, that whatever happens, there will be an asterisk on the season just because this is a once in a generational, not even once in a generational, once in a hundred year kind of event. So with that understanding going into the season, you can get kind of wild and wacky here, you know, like, you know, 20 games season. More than MLS already is. I realized halfway, as I said, I was like, wait, we're talking about MLS. Yeah, that, that's already <laughs> an inherent given. But like, you know, you go for like, say like a 20 game season and then you do an extended playoffs, like you get the excitement of the playoffs, which I think, you know, if you ask most people in the MLS front office where the excitement in the league comes from, it's not coming from the regular season. I think we can all agree on that. It's coming from the playoffs. That's where you get, you know, the wandering eyes, so to speak, the people that aren't really into soccer that, you know, you show them a playoff match, there's something to play for. And immediately, you know, if you've got a sports neutral or someone who like likes sports, but doesn't really like a team or something like that. The minute you introduce them to a playoff game, usually they get a little bit more invested because there's stakes involved. There's something, you know, one team wins, one team loses, you know, one team goes on, one team goes home. Um, so it would, I think you could recoup a lot of the, the wandering eye demographic that was meant to be captured by these really massive national TV slots by doing maybe an extended playoffs, uh, with more teams or something like that. Yeah, I think that's, I think, uh, this is why they should hire us because you got me and Araceli reporting and Christian's bringing the ideas. Like, <laughs> um, Pay my bills on that, please. <laughs> but given the historical significance of the Open Cup, I do want to ask you, do you think it would be wise for the MLS to move forward with it since the USL already announced that they will not be participating because of schedule congestion? Well, so it's not up to MLS if US Open Cup goes forward. It's run by the, the, the Federation. So um, an MLS is a separate entity from the Federation. It's, you know, sanctioned by the Federation as the top division in, of soccer in this country. But and then there's obviously a lot of obviously MLS and U.S. Soccer Federation are, are very closely intertwined. Um, you know, I, I think I think if I from an MLS perspective, it doesn't make sense to play an Open Cup if you want to play a 34 game season. You know, it, it, it just it, mm. with the amount of travel that it would require, with the amount of squad depth that it would require considering you know, you'd, you'd have teams playing you know three batches a week 
every week from, you know, May 15th until December, you know, the first weekend in December. Just no, t- no team can do that and hope to either be successful or be healthy by the end of the season. Um, so I think from an MLS perspective, it doesn't make sense to go forward. Um, but, you know, from a U.S. soccer perspective, it almost makes sense to go forward with the Open Cup, even if MLS and USL aren't playing because you've got, you know, NPSL, you've got all the, the amateur leagues and stuff like that. This, U.S. soccer could really sell this as, as a way to get people invested in the lower leagues in this country. Like, you know, there's, uh, um, there's a team in San Diego, uh, I think it's like San Diego Albion, and they, they play in like the NPSL, and I had never really heard of them until they, you know, they won two games in the Open Cup last year. So I think this is, could be a really great opportunity for fans to learn about the stuff that outside of what we know as like, you know, we know, we know MLS, we know USL, but do we really know NPSL? Do we know, uh, what's the, uh, NISA or whatever, you know, like, do we know those leagues very well? No, we don't. This is a really good opportunity for those leagues to make a case for themselves and actually really strengthen soccer in this country. Um, it, it, that's kind of my, my optimistic take on it. I, I, I think if MLS and USL, both are out. I think U.S. Soccer will will move to not play the Open Cup, which would be a. I mean, it, it would be it would be a, it would be it would be an understandable decision, but it would be a very heartbreaking decision. Oh, definitely mm-hmm. for sure, because the as you mentioned, the NPSL. I'm looking at their statement that they just released this morning, and it they specifically say, given these circumstances, the 2020 NPSL summer season under its current competition structure has been canceled. So <laughs> there the goes another, about, there goes another league. <laughs> well, the other thing about the NPSL and, and, and so forth that like the open cup could also be very good for them is that, you know, these, these are leagues that exist on a baker's budget, you know, like every penny matters to these teams. I mean, like the fact that they will not play in the summer means we could lose three or four NPSL franchises just because they won't be able to make any form of money. So like having the open cup, at least there would be some sense of or stream of revenue from the Open Cup, from the Federation. And I think that would be, that'd be very, it would be an important thing to preserve and to save a lot of teams that, you know, are on the brink of, of extinction. And, and, and we're not going to just, you know, and, and in, in terms of a wider global soccer conversation, I mean, I mean, there's clubs in England that have basically said, you know, unless we get financial assistance from the Federation or the government or whatever, you know, we will cease to exist. I mean, we're not talking... In, in the MLS context or in, in the U.S. soccer context, we're talking about clubs that probably have existed for maybe 15, you know, 10, 15 years. They're still mm-hmm. massively important in the community, but it's not as heavy as a loss of, like, say, like, a team in England that's existed for 125 years mm-hmm. and is facing the barrel of just not existing anymore. So I think it is I, – I, I almost say that as kind of like a, a plea to not just the U.S. Federation, but federations around the world to be – aware of this and to do everything in their power to preserve these clubs. And I think one way to do that would be, you know, at least in, in an American context would be the open cup. Um, but again, it, again, we are in a situation that is so unprecedented and also mm-hmm. so fluid. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. every hour we get something new. So it is, it is a, it, these are, these are very murky waters to navigate. Oh, for sure. And concerning today is the two-week mark since MLS first announced the suspension of the league. Ever since then, it, as you mentioned, every day or every week, 
there's always some type of news that's heartbreaking and it's an understandable decision, but ultimately it is heartbreaking as a sports fan, as a sports reporter, because you would love to see these different leagues, these teams thrive and not, and for them not to be given that chance. It's unfortunate. Yeah, I agree 110%. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it is, it's all very, just, it, it is a, a, a unique and very weird situation. I mean, you said it was, it, it was two weeks since MLS did announce its suspension and it almost feels like, you know, two years. Yeah. I was um, thinking the same. I was like, it, oh my it God, feels like an eternity. Years. Yeah, exactly. It really does. So. Yeah. Plus uh, I know I, all the fans listening are like, yeah, we're all in this together. We're all feeling like we miss it. And I'm so glad that everybody still is like coming at us to record. So thanks <laughs> for your content. We're, we're doing everything we can. <laughs> and I right. love that the league is trying to keep us engaged by releasing old games out of the archives, which is great. But on one hand, it's like, I, I don't want to live in the past. I want to keep moving forward and see new games. But given the circumstances, you know, I understand that they are trying to keep us entertained in a sense. I mean, it's a catch-22 because these are still, you know, at the end of the day, these are still, this is still a sports league. Like, this will still operate as a sports league after, you know, next year and the years moving forward. So they have to, you know, at least produce some form of content. But it, I agree with you. It does feel a little almost hollow in a certain way that, like, you know, tonight, for example, at 5 o'clock, the Galaxy, uh, they'll, they'll be showing the 2011 MLS Cup Final between the Galaxy and the Dynamo. Um, and I'm excited to watch it because, you know, I, I remember that game very I fondly. Say the pouring rain, that game. So, I, but at the same time, there's kind of a part of me that's like, well, this just feels so hollow, you know, like, but, you know, it, 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 it it's a catch-22 kind of position, you know, like, what, what do you, what, what do you do? You know, like, it, it is, it is very much that. So what is interesting is that our editor over at Switch the Pitch, um, Sarah, was saying, how the the clubs you know they want coverage they you know now's the time um you know for us reporters to reach out um and try to get interviews and and things like that you know and so that said i, I hadn't really heard from the la galaxy what they're exactly doing at this time but araceli another thing that we were talking about was that you you had uh started telling me about seattle and columbus for starters Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, overall, the response rate from the teams, I am, sur- in a way, I'm surprised it is a little slow in the sense of relief funds that we are seeing out of England. For example, uh, Chelsea is opening up their team hotel as a makeshift hospital. Uh, there was another team. I, I can't remember which one it was. It was EPL. The, they are going to offer start offering their facilities as storage for medical equipment <coughs> over here on the mls side um columbus crew and cleveland browns owners d and jimmy Haslam. excuse Haslam. me if i'm mispronouncing that <laughs> yeah have pledged, <laughs> they can, have can't, run, can't run a football team but can run run a soccer club <laughs> <laughs> they, they can run it better than pre-court can considering that they are pledging 1.5 million to help Ohioans impacted by COVID-19. The Seattle Sounders have created a relief fund where direct support of resources are going to shift workers and service providers in and around CenturyLink field and in the neighborhood businesses that support and 
excuse me, that support and serve fans on match day. This includes, you know, a range of needs from groceries to rent assistance, monetary packages. So I love to see that these clubs are starting to step up in creating these relief funds to help not only their staff, but the community. Yeah, it is. And, and, Again, I, I, I feel like the subject of today's pod, while we're talking about all this, is also, you know, looking at sports in general and the, the response that we have to it. But it, it is really heartening to see a lot of not just MLS clubs, but sports teams in general really giving back to their communities and, 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 and you know, for example, you know, stadium staffs and stuff like that. It is it is a really it's a it's a really heartening thing. Um, I know. So, you know, uh, but I. I I, I wish there was a little bit of a better list of of what all the other MLS clubs are doing because um, it is hard to it is hard to track down. You know, I've been trying to figure out what the uh, what the Galaxy have been uh, if they have been interested and motivated in, in creating a fund. I hope I hope they are. Um, but yeah, they I, usually I, are really active in the community. That's why I was surprised we hadn't heard something by now. LFC has kind of really taken the reins on being active in the community in the sense of their promoting of what not only their partners is doing to help the community, but um, ever since Gar- uh, Mayor Garcetti has issued the stay-at-home order, they have been on top of things to release information as to what that order means, um, as well as giving a message of hope to the fans, you know, that we will beat this, we'll come back stronger. So they have been on top in the sense of, you know, trying to get that information out, not only in English, but also in Spanish. Yeah, I know the, uh, I know the Galaxy Instagram account on, or I know the Galaxy Instagram accounts both also, there was like something that I think the city of LA or the county of LA just sent to every major sports team or whatever. And it's like, please publish this. And I, cause I know, <laughs> cause I know, um, I know the Galaxy Spanish Twitter account published something. I it was like a little, uh, one of those like little chart things. I, I can't remember exactly what to call it, but um, so I know I, I know both I know both teams have been have been very active in terms of community response, which I think is is really uh, it's, I mean, look at this point, you know, rivalry is is you know tertiary at this point. We're all pulling in the same direction, and that's it's good to see you know um, it's good to see you know both teams pulling in the same direction in a very positive way, and I think that is. I think it's a, a friendly reminder that this transcends really everything in our lives at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, also with po- with uh, positivity, there is criticism, unfortunately. And I want to stress that this is a rumor. I have yet to find official confirmation of it. But given the circumstances, I've heard that Real Salt Lake has laid off more than half their staff as a result. Again, I want to stre- stress that it is a rumor. But what is not a rumor is like Minnesota United had released a team email, um, an email basically telling its staff that to go apply for one of their partners, like Pepsi. They're not giving this type of support that Seattle is. And I know Minnesota's club is facing a lot of criticism for not only that email, but for the decision overall. As far as the other clubs are going, I unfortunately I'm unaware of what they're doing, but hopefully, you know, they're kind of following following suit of what the example that Seattle and Columbus are, is creating. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, 
I understand the frustration that a lot of people seem to have. Not the, the Minnesota situation is, is definitely untenable. I, I agree. I think it is. It is really just a a really poor response to a very serious situation. Um, you know, but I also I, I think a lot of people have criticized clubs for not being publicly facing about what they're doing. And you know, I'm I'm this is a, this is a fluid situation. This is not an easy situation to figure out. So I, I don't have you know. If, we don't know what's going on. You know, we don't know what's in people's inboxes and in the emails and stuff like that. You know, same staff could be, you know, I'll, I'll take the galaxy example, just cause that's the most tangible example. I have the galaxy haven't publicly come out and said anything, but we don't really know, you know, what's, what's in, you know, stadium workers email. So, you know, there could be something behind the scenes. So I, For sure. I'd, urge, mm-hmm. I'd urge patience um, until something becomes public is kind of the way I'd, I'd, I'd urge it about the situation. Right. And I respect that, you know, we don't have rumors floating around like, you know, half hour, uh you know staff got laid off like that um but but that's why i stress uh, that's why i was stressing heavily that it is a rumor because oh no i know you can always take a tweet (laughs) and say oh that's what's happening you i i always try to look for the some type of official statement from the club (laughs) rational and balanced analysis not jumping to conclusions who are you (laughs) oh my gosh a legit reporter? No fake news. A legit reporter? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <I> read. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, I was going to say that there is COVID nineteen information, you know, on uh, MLS's website and then LA Galaxy. I know a lot of fans have been have been asking questions, specifically season ticket members. You know, will I be charged? And so there's there's really good information that they that they did post, and then they do have updates. Um, you know that. Unfortunately, you know, LA Galaxy Cup won't be held and things like that. So, um, it, I mean, a lot of it is common sense when we're all still waiting to hear and when you're waiting on, you know, government orders, uh, you know, in, you know, in compliance with everything. How's it? How's it going to go? So, um, yeah. Any other thoughts, feelings, questions, comments, concerns? I mean, it, it is. Um... I guess I guess the only thing I can say in 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 transcending you know our conversation about sport and whatnot is that I I I, I do appreciate uh, a lot of what I've seen of people who actually are very aggressively following you know the shelter in place orders. Um, I congratulate you. I know this is you know this is not an easy process, and this is definitely not something we were ever trained to do. Um, but you know, seeing everyone you know banding together, you know, seeing you know stuff on Instagram of like you know, virtual happy hours and stuff like that. It really does, yeah. it does warm the heart, you know, and it, and it is, I mean, we're seeing Netflix you know, group chats. Like. Yeah. We're seeing, <laughs> we're seeing, you know, the great humanity of, you know, one another. And that to me is a, a really, a really heartening thing at a time where it seems like things are not heartening. Um, I do want to deliver some, some, something of good news um, to all you world soccer fans out there. I just actually just saw this uh, report uh, 20 seconds ago. So a little bit of levity and happiness in a moment of crisis, but um, as you may remember, uh, two or three years ago, uh, an Ajax player, Am- uh, Abdul Nouri, uh, suffered a cardiac uh, incident on the field and um, was unfortunately placed in a medical coma, um, which then turned into an actual coma. Um, and he'd been in coma for two, uh, two years and nine months, and he's now just uh, being able to wake up and um, have cognitive functions. So that is an absolutely incredible story. If you haven't read the story or heard of the story, I'd, I'd, I'd recommend you do. It's an incredible, um, it's, it's, it's incredible to think, you know, after, you know, after something so terrifying that, you know, something that, you know, as you know, for a 20 year old to experience that kind of incident, you know, 
two years and nine months later to be waking up from a coma and actually having some form of mental cognitive function is absolutely incredible. So, uh, you know, I wish him nothing but the best and, uh, hopefully, you know, uh, for his recovery and, and I hope we at least have some positivity in these times. <laughs> absolutely. We're all looking for that. And, and then something else that I just got an email about from MLS was, um, need a home workout FC Cincy and Columbus. Have you covered? So <laughs> there question, question you know. on the Cincinnati workout. If I do it, well, I can see the most goals the league has ever seen. <laughs> Making sure. Oh Arsene, my goodness. Arsene, we were talking about memory earlier, and I do want to ask you, were you at that uh were you at that MLS Cup that Sporting Kansas City hosted in 2013? I was, and I was freezing. I remember how, it very well. How cold was it? <laughs> like <laughs> it was about I, I think it was like negative ten. Oh god. And that's in Fahrenheit for our uh, international uh, listeners. So, <laughs> no, it was very cold. I, I, two pairs of pants, two hats, two shirts, basically just layers. And what was amazing about it, in a weird sense, was that especially, I don't know um, how aware you are of the 2013 MLS Cup, but we won with the penalty shootout. And I was gonna say, for <laughs> the penalty shootouts, it. Let me backtrack. It was hilarious because we were all bundled up for the entirety of the game up until that point. And once it came down to, like, the final rounds, you just saw, like, everybody, like, reappear, just taking off everything. Like, oh, my God. At <laughs> this point, it had to been at least a good negative 12, negative 13. And we're just all there, like, normal fans almost. And then after we won, it was like, oh, we're cold again. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's like beer freezing temperature. Like we're getting, that's like beer freezing temperature at that point. Right. <laughs> Almost. It, it was a sight to see. I mean, it was great to see it packed. The weather yeah. did not deter anyone. It was overly crowded at it best. Was, it was a phenomenal penalty shootout. If I remember correctly too, it was like, it was actually one of the better penalty shootouts I've ever seen. It was, which, it, which, it which is easy for me to say as a neutral, like as someone who was not like, who had no stake in the game, very easy for me to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, um, with that, we will segue over for U.S. women national team as the Olympics, the 2020 Olympics have been postponed till 2021. I mean... Again, the right decision. I think there's no question about that. Um, I'm surprised it. Wait, I was about to say I'm surprised it took the IOC this long to to decide it. And then I remembered it's the International Olympic Committee. They couldn't they couldn't figure out the way out of a uh, out of a paper bag without you know trying to offer some you know the bag about ten different vibes. Um, <laughs> but so so the reason I kind of wanted to touch on this is it raises a very interesting question because a lot of what we talked about with this women's national team roster was. Out of the 23 people, you know, if you took that 23-person roster that went to the World Cup and took them to Tokyo this year, they're probably winning. They're probably winning the entire thing. The problem is it's the Olympics. It's an 18-person roster. So then we started we started getting into that conversation of, well, someone's not going to get on that plane. Who is it going to be? Now that conversation becomes even more interesting because it's another year. And now we're and talking age. about yeah. Now we're talking about you know we're not talking about a 37-year-old Carly Lloyd. We're talking about a 39-year-old Carly Lloyd. We're not talking about a 34-year-old Megan Rapinoe. We're talking about a 35-year-old Megan Rapinoe. And so I think it's going to be even more interesting to see who doesn't 
get on the plane. And, and, and the other thing is we're also talking about Alex Morgan that now has had a year to train. She, you know, Alex Morgan making the Olympics, she said she was going to try. I thought it was always going to be a bit of an ambitious ask, just considering how long it would take to get back into game fitness after, you know, you know, having the whole a baby. Entire, yeah, the whole entire process of, you know, having a kid, which is arduous. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I always thought that was a little bit. Now we have, you know, Alex Morgan's got a year of training and probably is a little bit sharper than she even was, you know, you know, at the World Cup. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see who gets left home. And also keep in mind, a lot of these young players, they're going to have another year under a professional soccer under their belts. I mean, if you look at, I mean, if you look at the camp that Andonovsky called in December and January, which was the kind of the, the, the youngins camp, so to speak. Um, I mean, a lot of them are college players, but again, he calls in Alana Cook, who's playing at Paris Saint-Germain, who was one of, you know, it, in terms of the hierarchy of European soccer clubs, it's Olympic Lyon and then PSG Femenil. Like, there are some names on this, like very young names that are really going to challenge for for spots, and 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 that's going to be it's going to be interesting. I think I I think Vladko is going to have to tell a lot of people they're not on the plane. And and keep in mind, remember that when you're considered a U.S. Women's National Team player, that's a very different thing than being considered a U.S. Men's National Team player in the sense that you have more guaranteed paychecks. Um, the federation pays you more considering the the wage disparity between you know, what you make at a at a women's soccer club versus a men's soccer club us soccer kind of covers the difference for its top level players so the reason that there's a lot of competition the reason that you know players fight tooth and nail to be considered a us women's national league player is not just you know obviously pride and and sense of accomplishment is one thing and you know being a world champion also kind of helps um but also there's there's financial incentives to this and so i think it's going to be mm-hmm. Really interesting to see who doesn't go next year. So I guess I'll ask both of you one player that you one player that you don't think makes the plane. Who do you who who do you think doesn't make the plane next year? Uh, besides the for sure, um, honestly, I have to say, you know, because of their age, like you were saying, Rapino. Um, I, I think that she could be fit but I know she had been injury prone and had missed some games before so I'm for sure saying she's not going to be on that plane and also they were also look like they were going for a younger demographic and to give the youngins uh, a go right yeah I, I think that's kind of been the the uh I, I guess the byword of the Vlatko Adonofsky era which is is get younger now um yeah right but wasn't like, Carly Lloyd or Megan Rapino considering the Olympics to be kind of their retirement game? I believe it was Carly who said that she wanted to do one more Olympics and then kind of call it. But Carly Lloyd, I, I, I find Carly Lloyd really fascinating because having, having read a ton of her interviews, I don't think she's ever going to say she wants to stop. I think it's going to take someone to tell her you're stopping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, no. it, it, Carly, she's a beast. I will give that to her. She she's an amazing athlete, an amazing person. I've been fortunate to actually meet her a few years ago, and she is very inspiring. Uh, given her age, I do not see her leaving for next year. I see her trying to, you know, try to punch out that last tournament, but. As Michelle said, you know, there is always a possibility with their age and how they want to <clears throat> attract a younger audience. 
However, you're asking people to go see the World Cup champions. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Carly and Megan are. So it is a little of a catch-22 in the sense, in terms of their age. I mean, there's no doubt that Alex Morgan will be back and possibly stronger. Well, I mean, if, she, if she's working out with Cervana Carrasco, let's not get too carried away here. Um, <laughs> so for me, I, I think I think Carly Lloyd was a much better fit for this roster if we play the Olympics as we were scheduled to play. Alex Morgan, not necessarily a sure bet, coming back in pregnancy – you could kind of tell Alex, you've got two more tournaments left in you. You know, you're fine. Don't worry. Um, and then you bring Carly and Kristen Press, who I think, you know, I think we can all agree Kristen Press has probably been the best U.S. Women's National League player this year. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yes. But now, you know, we're looking at 2021 with, you know, hypothetically very, you know, a healthy and hungry Alex Morgan. I almost feel like Carly Lloyd's so close to requirements on an 18-person roster because 18-person roster, it, it's, it's not about necessarily – you know, it's about managing your numbers in terms of positions. Like, you know, are you going to bring, you know, six defenders, you know, four midfielders, you know, what, like, it's all about, you know, where do you stack the roster? And I think the U S has enough two-way players in the forward and midfield core that they're probably going to go heavy on defensive players in terms of that eight, how that 18 person roster breaks down. So I think just kind of thinking through that, I, I have trouble seeing Vlatko Anonofsky, who has been given a mandate from U.S. soccer to get younger, banking on a 38, 39-year-old Carly Lloyd to have one more tournament in her legs. And, and, and keep in mind, remember, the United States brought a luxury player, Megan Rapinoe, to Brazil for the Rio Olympics. Because remember, she was recovering from that. I believe it was an ACL tear. And Joe Ellis said, like, I know I'm only going to get 20 minutes from her. The thing is, Megan Rapinoe, 20 minutes, she's got probably the best you know, the best left foot the program is both men's and women's program has ever seen. She, she does everything. She, she assists and, and scores. I don't know if Carly's got that in her game. And I, I, and I mean, Carly's a brilliant goal scorer. She's a monster in the box, but I don't know if I, I think between Rapino and Lloyd, which I think is going to be the big one that doesn't make the, make 2021. I think we we're all in agreement pretty much on that. I just think mm-hmm. Rapino offers, offers you so much more than, you know, just, just goal scoring. You know, and and I think you know, Carly Lloyd's goals you can make up between Press Rapino and 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 uh, and Morgan. Mm-hmm. And also gives a chance for my girl Tobin Heath to ball out. So, ah, uh, yeah. To- well, and I was trying to think too that aren't there like two other U.S. women's players who were expecting babies? Uh I would have to look it up. I, I haven't seen yeah. anyone. I just remember on the I Instagram. I feel like, like I've seen something on it, but I don't know if they're <laughs> yeah, current it's, it's, players. Yeah, I think... Because um, I know Alex Morgan had posted a picture of her and two other players, but I think they mm-hmm. were former. Yeah, and I uh, oh. I think... I want to say Adriana French and her partner just welcomed a kid into the world, but I don't know if either the, if they adopted or whatnot. That's kind of neither here nor there. Um Congratulations to them, by the way. Um, but yeah, I mean, the I I don't think the other the other kind of big question is in terms of if we're going to say you know like one more year, do we know Becky Sauerbrunn, who's kind of been the rock in the back of the U.S. defensive line for got for forever, as far as I mm, as forever, far as I yeah. <laughs> she's she's going to be thirty five next year. That's oh. 
and, and again, when it goes south for a center back, it goes south fast. Do they take a risk with, you know, hoping she's got one more tournament in her legs? You know, that's that's another uh, interesting question. I know, obviously, I don't think Alec Krieger at 35 is going to go. I think they just have enough at that position that they can yeah. kind of get And, I mean, the only reason Alec Krieger really was brought to the World Cup was just if anything happened to Kelly O'Hara, they knew they had something. You know, now they have enough at that position, I think, that if something happens to Kelly O'Hara, then Allie Krieger's a little bit surplus to requirements. And I say that as a huge uh, Allie Krieger fan, but I just sometimes you have to realize that some your favorite player is surplus to requirements and <laughs> send them off into that good night. Um, oh, but it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it, also the the young players on this on the the pre camp or the training camp rosters from December and January are all like there's some really exciting names. I, I if you are if you are relatively new to some of these names, um, I'd actually keep an eye on them, but I'd keep on uh, keep an eye on the likes of Brianna Pinto, uh, Sophia Smith, who was signed by the Portland Thorns when she was like 16. Um, uh, Amani Dorsey's a really good player. Haley Mace. I mean, there's there's talent at every position. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, I, I it's going to be interesting to see how next year shakes out for for the U.S. Women's National Team. No young good goalkeepers though, actually, which is really interesting. Oh. <laughs> Fortunately, though, goalkeepers, they age like fine wine. So. I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say, we see some goalkeepers going into their 40s. <laughs> how long did, did Vandersar play for? He played until he was like 42. Yeah, like goalkeepers. I believe so. Goalkeepers are weird. <laughs> Much like in hockey. Oh, goalkeepers. I know. Trust me. I have enough experience with goalkeepers, both men and women. <laughs> <laughs> now, I do kind of want to take this a step further. How do you think that the we do have a new U.S. soccer president, Cindy Parlow? Oh. How do you think her influence will help the over not not I cannot speak today <laughs> the not only the overall structure of U.S. soccer, but her influence on these rosters with these um, younger players coming in. Well, this does bring the point that just because you're a woman doesn't necessarily mean because she's been on on the committee and she really hasn't helped <laughs> so far. Um, obviously, you hope that she's going to be able to to bring something to this, Christian. Yeah, I mean, it's in terms of what you said, Arcelia, in terms of influence on the roster, I think the recent decisions that U.S. soccer has made to hire individual general managers for both the men's team and the women's team to kind of put everything under a sporting director, you know, umbrella with Ernie Stewart. Um, I think, I think the U.S. soccer is making a very conscious decision to move soccer decisions into its own kind of bubble and have you know the CEO, the president of U.S. Soccer, be much more on the business-facing side of things. And in terms of the business-facing side of things, you look at her history at U.S. Soccer. You look at her history and just in, in, in the game in this country. She checks all the boxes. Like I mean, she mm-hmm. from from a business-facing from a business-facing perspective. From what I can also send, ostentatiously sense from what U.S. Soccer is, is trying to achieve from a business perspective, she's the perfect fit. And you know there's a lot of things that are wrong at U.S. soccer right now. I think, you know, we can point to, for example, that legal filing that they came out with that was the the kind of the end of the Cordero reign, long or short as it was. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 
this 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 does feel a little bit like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic almost to me. Um, but I, I I doubt her influence from a soccer perspective is going to be very big. I think it's going to be a lot more on the business side of things of growing of growing. I I I, I hesitate to say growing the game. I'd say growing the federation's presence in the United States. Mm-hmm. Right, because because growing the game still has the same issues that we've well covered. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> It's and a, especially with the legal cases, I get with the. It, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it, it. It again, as I said, it does feel like rearranging, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. I mean, it, it, they could have, they, they could have nominated any one of three of us, and it still would have felt, you know, kind of a hollow moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, RSLA, for joining us. Christian and I are going to continue talking about LA Galaxy, and uh, I know we welcome the banter here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for having me on. This was fun. Thank yeah, you so much for joining yeah. us. <laughs> and I uh, hope to have you on sooner than later once things uh, get back on track. So, well, if, okay, so if the schedule holds the way that it's supposed to, the first weekend we play the Red Bulls at home, then that next weekend is the first traffic of the season. Which would be a phenomenal return to MLS now. One I day. know, right? That we'll one would be El Trafico, yes. <laughs> Both teams <laughs> rusty as hell. Galaxy is going to be looking for revenge, so that will make yeah, an I mean, epic, be an epic return. And maybe, maybe we'll set the league record on crosses that day. I know, because I was going to say the Dodgers are playing their 2019 opening day. Relive this. And I'm like, I don't really want to relive our opening day because the Galaxy's 27 crosses and a lost Vancouver. Oh man, not something I want to relive. So if they cancel the season on us losing to Vancouver, I'm gonna be so freaking mad. <laughs> I know <laughs> it's gonna hurt. That alone. Uh, yeah. Alrighty. I think well, it's gonna hurt for everyone because at least we had our season openers. At least we true. had that. If anything, hey, you hey, know hey. what? That really was a wonderful enjoyment of being able to see everybody i mean you know there was that shadow of coronavirus and everybody was pretty much face fist bumping and then everybody was um in line to wash their hands which it should have been anyway but the line was three times as long as it was but it you know it was it was nice to be around everybody even though they were consciously aware and like hand sanitizer were you know <laughs> lafc lafc's home opener was was absolutely uh, actually in terms of limited sample size i know it was actually one of the better matches we had seen all season too i mean lafc had a had a bit of a barn burner for a home opener, even though it was a, a Galaxy reunion at Bank of California, considering how many former Galaxy players were there with Beckham. Oh, yeah. I was there. That was fun. <laughs> I feel bad. <laughs> they, like, kept heading to Beckham, and he's just, like, sitting in the chair, like, in this box all by himself, and everyone's, like, whining and dining and boozing behind him, and he's actually oh, focused on the match. Oh, they wanted the ball. 32 52, yes, they were chanting, uh, you look lonely. <laughs> I mean, I, but no, he, he, I, I was, uh, interesting enough, I was actually lucky enough to meet David Beckham at that match, and uh, he is, he's awesome. <laughs> is his voice as high-pitched as everyone says it is? No. Okay. Oh, okay. So it just comes out that way on camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, then again, I was stunned just to see him alone. It was like, oh. 
<laughs> yeah, she told me because as media, she has, you know, we all have to be professional in, in the box and in... But it's David Beckham. Like, how do you just sit there and just let him walk by? <laughs> I, was gonna say, I think I think some I think some players just transcend that, and you can just kind of get away with it. <laughs> well, no, I'm looking at the standings as they are right now, and I would hate to put it out there for the league to be canceled. But if it were to be, at least my hometown is in first place. So, yeah. Oh, that's right, kid. Kansas City had a great start this season. Yeah, they did. And uh, who's that young? Had a huge turnaround compared to last season. Yeah, who's that young striker that they have that was on fire? Alan Padilla. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was really impressed. It's I I, again I had Kansas City as kind of my dark horse MLS Cup pick. So. (laughs) Uh, You know, I mean, he's ready because every day on Instagram he has been posting videos of himself working out. So. When the league restarts, I can see him being a fireball. <laughs> yeah, and meanwhile, Sebastian Legette's got his girlfriend, Becky G, helping him with headers and <laughs> staying fit. So Becky G really wears the pants in that relationship, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, and, and, and Sue is posting, like, and Sue has turned into, like, a personal trainer. He's, like, posting workouts you can do at home on his, on his Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what better way to pass the time, you know, when that you're trying true. to work out? I mean, everybody's got those push-up challenges, and and a lot of the the MLS players had uh, toilet paper. Oh, they the, were the, kicking around. Oh, the challenge. The roll, the challenge. Um, I was reading an article about, uh, I believe it was Inter Miami or whatnot, but they all have to wear GPS tracked vests so that the uh, training staff knows they're like going on runs and working out. <laughs> Did not know really? that. Yeah, <laughs> I know the I know the MLS had confined them to their markets that they couldn't leave the cities, but I didn't know they were tracking them like that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling it's like you know it's it's probably the same thing as like a lot of shelter in place stuff, which is like you can still work out outside. So they're probably like going on runs and imagine yeah. imagine coming in on like the first day of training back. And it's like oh, you only ran like an average of you know five point eight miles every day instead of like ten like your teammates did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my Pokemon Go is really suffering. I'm not going out. Well, luckily here in Kansas City, we have the stay-at-home order too, but we're more open space and a lot of parks, and that's what everyone's just been kind of taking advantage of, which is good to see that people are still kind of getting outside and maintaining that six-feet distance, the social distancing, as they're calling it. But I find it interesting how everyone in the city just became a marathon runner overnight. (laughs) (laughs) I have seen more dogs in the park than I have ever seen in my whole life. Like, where did all these dogs come from? (laughs) (laughs) This is not a vacation, people. This is, you know, actual, like, you need to to be smart. (laughs) I know. I saw a meme where a dog was hiding on a cabinet. I think it was RSL who sent me that. That was like, dogs in Kansas City. I'm not going out again. <laughs> oh, yes. He, he's like hiding on top of the cabinet and the owner's trying to get him down and the dog's like saying, I've already been on 20 walks today. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. All right. Well, thanks, RSL, for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. All right. Later to you. Later. And then uh, thanks, guys, for sticking around. We got our LA Galaxy content for you. Yes, we do.
whatever, All whatever, right. whatever we can put together. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, so wonderful question that I, I got from one of our Instagram followers was who's your favorite goalkeeper? And I choose Jaime Pinedo. Um, it was, it was, he quickly became a galaxy star. Uh, 2013, 2015 is when he stayed with us and it was a short run, but just so many saves. And when he decided to leave the team, I know he said that he regretted leaving. Um, so that's, that's my pick. I mean, I, the, the 2014 MLS Cup doesn't come to the Galaxy if Jaime Pinedo's not in goal. Like, I mean, exactly. he, you look at the two, you look at two of these, you, he makes two massive saves in this game that, like, change the course of, of, of that game. Um, I, I mean, Jaime Pinedo's departure is controversial, to say the least. Um, right. <laughs> I will say in Jaime's defense, I think he had an agent that, was trying to swindle the galaxy and the galaxy don't take kindly to that. And they just will not deal with you on that. So um, he then ended up in, uh, I believe it was Switzerland before playing in Panama for a little bit. Um, I'm torn. Yeah. I mean, San, San Pinedo. I mean, there were times when, you know, the galaxy were struggling and you know, over their past few seasons. And we were just like, Pinedo would have gotten that. You exactly, know? So that's yeah. why, that's why we still wish that he was in goal. <laughs> um, let's see. Favorite goalkeeper of all time. And this is a tough one. Um, uh, Carlo Cudicini. Mm. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Everyone. Um, I got it. Oh man. Um, I gotta go with Donovan Ricketts. I really do. I think I, you know what? He was my, I was torn between, yeah, Panero and Ricketts. Like you, yeah. like we were saying about, uh, you know, they're aging like fine wine. He was like 40 something, 42. He played till he, he played, I, I think he retired when he was like 38. Um, but he played for forever, but yeah, <laughs> round two of Ricketts was not as good as round one of Ricketts. I think no. this, whenever a, ton, a team re-signs a player, the sequel is never as good as the original. Um, but you know, I, 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 there was, he filled all the brackets. I mean, would make phenomenal saves, whatever, but you could tell he loved the club in a way that, you know, few players I think have loved the club. And that, um, I think that sold it for me. I mean, I know, I, I I would have said Pinedo, but I think the way that Pinedo exited and how that all went down kind of I know. sours the relationship for me at a, at a certain level. But um, yeah, yeah it, it, it's Donovan Ricketts and then and then a tie between Pinedo and uh, Jorge Campos because I, I, I love Jorge Campos. I just mm -hmm. Campos. the craziest person on the face of the planet. I love him to death. <laughs> Kevin Hartman, of course, another honorable mention. Yes, uh, Hartman. Yes, and he's leading the LA, LA Galaxy Academy girls. I know, yeah. Hopefully, uh, he'll be the head coach of the LA Galaxy women's team when we finally get our act together on that. Yeah. Um, we just, we have, I mean, the Galaxy do have a very rich tradition of goalkeepers, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you kind of look through the list of goalkeepers the Galaxy have. I mean, there are a lot of hits, not too many misses. I mean, the, the, the glaring miss, of course, is Cudicini, but, I mean, Elsa Diop wasn't the best. We'll put it that way. Um <laughs> But at least with Diop, like he wasn't, you know, the best goalkeeper. But he did, he did love the club, and like he, he was very much a, 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 a he was a fan favorite because he, he did, you know, really interact with with the club at a, at a very deep level. But just, you know, it didn't work for him on the field. Um, but that's, I mean, I guess Saunders, Saunders was always kind of a controversial mm -hmm. figure. A lot of people didn't like him. A lot of people did. Um, 
but yeah, I, 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 yeah, Donovan Ricketts is my, is my, my number one. If I'm, if I'm building a Galaxy all-time roster, I, I, I kind of throw it in goal. Love it. Um, and then third kit ideas. Can we just go back to the 2000, what was it? Was it 13 or 14 one, which was like inspired by the, 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 the flag of the city of LA or whatever and have the old oh, Galaxy yeah. colors on it, like. I love that. Can we just go back to that kit? Like that thing was so good. That or the uh, well, now we can't do it, but the black and gold ones from like 2011, those were clean. Oh yeah, I know. I just kind of feel like they're too close yep. to LA. We can't do it. We can't do it anymore. But <laughs> but yeah, those, those the black, green, and yellow ones. I oh man, I absolutely adored those. I, mm-hmm. For a third kit, I'd love a nod to the old, uh, the old yellow and green jerseys with the sash. I I love a nod to that on a third kit, mm. or to like a Jorge Campos like crazy goalkeeper kit one for the third one. <laughs> yeah, this is this is turned into the Jorge Campos fan fan show. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I, I I know that our whole thing is like you know that we're that we're old school, we're OGs, we're you know, since 96 is the big campaign. And uh, so I kind of want to do throwback to um, I there there was one night that they did where the the colors of the numbers um, that's Zlatan and then we're we're sporting were a throwback. And I was just like, I just want that. Was that, the game? that was the game against LAFC, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there was there was two since 96 night on that night. Yeah. So that's a that's a how I would want it. Um, and then we don't know what our I guess parley kit would have looked like. <laughs> or it's too why soon to say that. Why can't they make a parley kit look good? Like why? I know that's just, what I'm saying. Like, they just look I so like. So <laughs> I know it's recycled, but why is it got to look recycled? Like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So those are pretty much. The questions that we got, and um, Jamie, of course, she said uh, she wants to be on, and as soon as she can, you guys will be bringing you some more uh, content. Um, she she actually had to be called into work, of all yeah. things, during this time. So hopefully we'll uh, we'll get some slice in our lives soon and, sooner rather than later. <laughs> slice <of it. laughs> yeah. um, and then I wanted to shout out uh, Once a G, Always a G, because he posted on Twitter... A good question of Galaxy what ifs, and I had joked if uh, Geo had been good, and then you did bring up the 2016 season where he did score. He, some he goals. wasn't just well, he just wasn't he wasn't just good in that season. I mean, had like Geo continued that form throughout his Galaxy tenure, the Galaxy would have won two more and lost cops. Like, I mean, the guy didn't it's just, just what we wanted. <laughs> the guy didn't just like score a ton of goals that summer. He just punked every team in the league like it was it was truly impressive watching it got us all so excited for what could have been and then well we know what happened afterwards um but yeah it, but it, is kind I, of fun. it worked out for jonah because he was able to shine oh yeah definitely and then and i think i have a feeling jonah was brought in to kind of get geo focused again and it didn't work <laughs> Yeah. To say the least. Um, but, you know, it, it, look, I mean, Gio's relatively, been relatively successful at America. I'm happy for him that he found a place where he fits, you know. Mm-hmm. It's good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, um, I think 
did we cover everything that we wanted to cover? I think as I think much we, as we could. I think we covered as, as much as, as much out there as, as we could. As we could. So, of course, we'll be bringing you a slice of bacon and then whatever latest news. You know, again, stay tuned. Everything's changing. Um, and I know Cosmo SC is also going on. And uh, we just wanted to remind you guys of MLS Cup Mondays. So Yeah. <laughs> And then if you're listening to this on the 26th in about an hour on YouTube, uh, MLSsoccer.com, et cetera, they're going to be showing the 2011 MLS Cup Final. Um, it's not the most entertaining game, but it's at least something. So Yeah, it's good memories for us yeah, fans. Definitely. And I feel so bad for people who are out of area. They can't watch them. Well, the 2000, heard. So, so this one tonight, which is going to be through the MLS site, uh, is not geoblocked, but oh, okay. I think all this I think all the stuff on like Spectrum and stuff is 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 geoblocked, which is uh, yeah. it's not a regular day, isn't it? <laughs> it's geoblocked kind of, anyway. Kind of a bummer, but you know, I I, yeah. I wish. I mean, it's stupid TV deals. Like, what can you do? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Well, we're MLS fans. We're used to geoblocking. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, or blackout games. You're just yeah. like, I'm in the area. I'm on the West Coast. Why can't I watch this game right now? Or we're watching on ESPN, and we're in a delay to do like hamster basketball or something like that oh dear <laughs> you know you know <laughs> i know i know all right guys so stay tuned we're coming at you next time hopefully next week see you soon see you soon oh what i was gonna say one more thing too is just um if you guys want to get at us um on instagram or twitter to share your questions comments concerns what you want to hear uh, we are simply soccer underscore underscore pod on Instagram or simply soccer underscore underscore if you're looking for us on on Twitter. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to keep wringing this 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 towel of content until we at least get something to, to talk about. Yeah, I start bringing you Patreon content of our pre-recording phone calls because those are pretty fun, too. They are fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, later.